Welcome to the All Things Overlanding Podcast. My name is Fletch, and I'll be your host. Are you ready for some great overlanding content? Then let's get into it. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hi, everybody. Everybody out there listening, if you heard the last couple minutes, you got to hear a little sneak peek of what's happening. The internet is not working anywhere. And it's interesting because I was talking to some of my friends today and and some people the other day. And, you know, we've all heard, I think, that like over in the UK, they asked Netflix to dial back the quality of their uh, like the videos as they're streaming because they've got so many people with the COVID-19 stuff. Everybody's at home. And they're all watching Netflix or watching YouTube and watching shows. So it's starting to actually tank the internet. So they asked to dial back. So that's what I was saying to Lee a little bit ago was that seems to be what's going on right now because my computer will not connect hardly at all and everything's running super slow. So anyways, welcome to the show. This is my first one. So if you're listening, thank you. And in advance, I'm going to say thanks for your patience because it's probably just going to be a bunch of made up stuff. But uh, if you've watched my YouTube channel or listened to me anywhere else, you're probably used to that. So nothing new, right? Um, so tonight on the, the show, if you will, we're going to be talking about a few things. So I've kind of got a laundry list of things I just wanted to touch on. It's just going to be kind of conversational. Um, it's a little different for me because again, if you've seen some of my YouTube videos, I have done interviews and things like that. So I'm used to talking to folks, but at the same time, I'm, I'm a pretty good talker and I'm kind of a ham myself anyways. So I'm sure that I can, I can keep you guys entertained for a little while at least. So let's start with this whole coronavirus thing, right? I think we're all feeling the effects. Um, I know Michael Hyden on All Over Overland uh, did a podcast about it the other day talking about, you know, for overlanders, is it actually better for us to get out and get into the woods and get away from people or should we, you know, shelter in place? Um, and so I kind of wanted to touch on that just a little bit. So, you know, I, at first, even like a week ago, I was kind of like, you know what, if I just go out and I just don't really stop anywhere, like I don't stop at any restaurants, maybe I just, uh, you know, get gas if I need to and, and then, you know, use hand sanitizer on my hands and try to be as good as I possibly can. Maybe that's okay, right? But then the more that this has gone on and then, you know, if you've been keeping up with the news at all, I'm sure you've heard today that the U.S. has now surpassed China for the most number of confirmed cases in the world. Um, and, you know, really, I feel like it just started now here in Indiana. I think we had our first case maybe a week and a half ago. Um, so I definitely, you know, not to be a fear monger or anything, but I definitely feel like we're not even at the the high peak of this yet. We're just getting started. So, you know, just as, as things have developed and, you know, the science has started to catch up a little bit, I definitely, I think I'm on board, you know, with Michael um, in saying that, even as overlanders, even as much as we want to get out right now, even as much as we want to, you know, we feel like if we go to the woods, we're actually being really safe and we're actually, you know, staying away from people. Even that is just a little bit too risky. Like we really do just need to stay inside. So, you know, that's kind of my take on it right now. I feel like it's definitely going to pass, right? Like this is a temporary thing. 
And I think we as overlanders kind of have a little bit of an advantage over a lot of folks too. I, I wouldn't ever really consider myself a prepper per se, but just in, you know, having a vehicle that's equipped with a solar panel and a deep cycle battery. So I can kind of, you know, grab free energy from the sun whenever I need to, um, a drawer system that's, you know, equipped with supplies and first aid kits. And, you know, I do keep some canned goods in there and some, you know, sort of instant dry goods like mashed potatoes and things like that. I kind of feel like the overlanding habit or hobby, if you will, kind of gives us an advantage, right? Like we are in a unique position right now where we may actually get to use some of the equipment that we've got. We may actually get to use some of the, uh, the experience and stuff that we've got. So, you know, as overlanders, what can we be doing, right? So as this coronavirus goes on, I think we definitely need to be safe and we need to be smart and we do need to shelter in place. Um, but I think we can, you know, definitely sort of use our supplies that we've got, use our tools that we've got to help our friends, help our family, help our community, um, you know, kind of keep everybody on the same page as far as staying indoors and, and limiting exposure. Um, I recently, I just read, actually tonight, I read a story of a friend of mine that was in, uh, went to my college and was friends with me in college, lives in another state now, but he actually started to develop a fever a couple of days ago and ended up going to the hospital and getting tested for the coronavirus. And he's still waiting to hear back. He has not heard back yet, but he said he's literally in the last two weeks, he's only left his house two times. He went and got groceries once and he went and he got gas. And he said he even brought like sanitizing wipes with him and he tried to wipe things down. So he's been extremely, you know, careful and cautious with all this stuff. And now he fears that he has it too. So Again, not trying to say that to scare anybody necessarily, but I definitely do feel like too many people aren't taking it seriously right now, right? So I, I just think that we need to be responsible. You know, we need to take advantage of the stuff that we've got and we need to shelter in place and just wait for this whole thing to blow over because the more we can do that now, the sooner we can get back to taking adventures and, you know, the sooner I can get back to making videos for you guys and, and you know, taking some cool trips. I actually, this weekend, um, I was supposed to be leaving tomorrow to head down to Kentucky. I was going to do some of the Daniel Boone Byway, a little bit of the Red River Gorge um, with a buddy of mine, and we were going to shoot a lot of good footage. We were going to check out the Nada Tunnel. So if you're from Kentucky, if you're, you know, I'm in a couple of the Kentucky Overland groups. Hi, guys. Um, but if you're from that area down there, there's some really cool, beautiful stuff. And I had some big plans this weekend. And now, you know, as a result of the coronavirus, I'm not going to be going. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to wait. I'm going to get that content for you guys. And I'm excited to share it with you. But I'm just going to wait for now. I'm going to try and be as smart as I can. So, again, of course, I have to talk about that, right? It's weird not to. It's it's such a strange, unprecedented time. Like, our kids are going to grow up talking about, you know, the great quarantine of 2020. And then probably the Great Depression that's about to come. So we've got to be smart monetarily too. But just wanted to touch on that a little bit, kind of run through it and just address it, right? But now that we've done that, let's talk about some overlanding stuff, some stuff that's a little more pertinent to what you guys might want to hear. So one of the questions that I get a lot, and you know, to tell you a little bit about me. So my name's Fletch. Um, I live in Indiana. I have had a couple of four-wheel drive vehicles, but haven't really been an overlander except for maybe the last three or four years. So I'll kind of tell you the story of what got me into that. I'll tell you the story of how I heard about that. And then, you know, my rig and, and kind of go through a little bit of that stuff and kind of give you guys a, a little history of how I got into this thing and, and kind of my, you know, experience, if you will, and, and kind of why I have this channel now and, and why I do this stuff. So 
probably about seven, eight years ago, I got my first four wheel drive. I got a 2000 Jeep Cherokee XJ Classic. Um, it was a, you know, just a kind of a base base. The sport trim didn't have a whole lot of options. Had the, uh, was it the Dana 30 up front and the Chrysler eight and a quarter in the rear, open diffs, no lockers or anything like that. Um, and that was about it. It was bone stock when I bought it. It was a 2000. And so I bought it, what, probably, it was probably 10 or 12 years old when I bought it. Um, but it ran like a top. It only had 100,000 miles on it, which if you're familiar with those four liter six cylinders in the Jeeps, those things are bulletproof. So 100,000 miles is maybe a third of the miles that you can easily get out of one of those with very minimum maintenance. So that was a great truck. Had a lot of fun. Went to a lot of off-road parks. Did a lot of stuff like that. A lot of just more off-roading and, and beating it against trees and, you know, running over rocks and things like that. But I had a lot of fun with it. Got to, you know, sort of learn a little bit about modifying vehicles. Um, I've, I've modified quite a few vehicles, but usually I've been modifying sports cars and things like that, kind of with the opposite results, right? Trying to get it lower, trying to get it faster. And with the four-wheel drive, it was kind of my first experience with the Jeep lifting it up and making it taller and, you know, not really caring how fast it was because it didn't really matter. Um, but so the Jeep was a lot of fun. I had it for about four years and then found out that we were going to have a kid. And I was like, well, shoot, I guess that's the end of that. Because at the time I had that, uh, Jeep Cherokee XJ and I had just bought maybe about six months before we found out we were pregnant, a 1972 Datsun 240Z with a Chevy 305 small block in it, which was a lot of fun. So I had two awesome, super fun bachelor cars that just don't work at all for kids. Like there is a two-seater Datsun, which I actually had one of the seats taken out because I was doing a rust restoration on it. And so I had one seat in that thing and it was a death trap. The starter was misaligned. So you'd drive it somewhere and then go to start it back up and it wouldn't start. So, but it was a beautiful car. It was a lot of fun. Um, but so as soon as we found out that we were going to have a kid, we're like, you know what? All right, both cars have to go. Um, so unfortunately I had to sell the Jeep and I sold the Datsun, and then I bought a, uh, a turbocharged Infiniti uh, G35X, all-wheel drive one. Had that for a few years, got an even more boring Honda Accord Sport for a few years on a lease, and then was like, you know what, honey, I got to have something fun again. I got to get back into a four-wheel drive. I feel like, you know, and, and this is me, right? This is me pitching the wife because I had a big master plan in mind that I didn't want to tell her about, but I was like, listen, I'm going to get something inexpensive. And I'm going to get something that's four wheel drive and it's going to be super practical and it's going to be so much fun. I can still go and take camping trips. I can still go and, you know, take it out and do stuff. I can drive it in the winter. It's not impractical. Um, and then once I pay that off, then I can buy a sports car again. And she was like, oh, okay, yeah, but you know, you got to wait at least a few years for that. I'm like, okay, yep, no problem. So I started looking and while I'm looking for four wheel drive vehicles, I'm, if you don't know me, I'm a Nissan guy. So I love Nissans, right? And I've had a whole bunch of them. And so I was like, okay, Nissan, what do you have that's a four-wheel drive? And it was pretty much, most of them are just cars, right? Most of them are just SUVs on unibodies. They're not like a, a truck on frame type of design, except for the Xterra. So I was like, all right, the Xterra is pretty cool. Like it's, I, I had driven one years and years ago when I worked at a car dealership. And while driving it, I actually had to move a bunch of cars because we got some snow one winter. And I had to move like a Chevy truck and a Ford truck and a Dodge truck and then the Nissan Xterra. And we'd gotten like a foot, foot and a half of snow. So we had a ton of snow. Um, but so I'm moving them out to plow behind them and I get in the Chevy and I go to go forward and it just, you know, it did it, but it had to struggle a little bit. It felt kind of big and cumbersome. It just didn't really cut through it. Same with the Ford, same with the Dodge. 
Um, they were fine. They did okay. But big full-size trucks just, you know, they aren't as nimble and, and just weren't quite as quick. And then I hopped in that Xterra and I don't even think I put it in four-wheel drive and it just went right through it. So I was really impressed with that. And that stuck with me for years and years. So then I started looking at Xterras and um, I found one actually local. I started to find a few of them, but they were, you know, at that time, so this was four years ago. So 2016, they were about 10 to 12,000 bucks with about a hundred to 150,000 miles on them just for reference. Right. So that's what I was looking at. And I was like, man, I feel like there has to be a better deal out there. It has to be a private party. And I ended up getting really lucky and finding a gentleman whose daughter had one and he was getting ready to move her up into like Land Rover or something. Cause they were, you know, pretty well off. And so he was like, we got to get rid of this Xterra. And he had it listed for 7,500 bucks. It was an 05 Nissan Xterra SE and it had 94,000 miles on it. And so I went and I test drove it and it needed brakes. But other than that, it was in really good shape. And so I told the guy, I said, man, I said, I'm gonna have to do brakes to this thing. Would you do seven grand? He was like, yep, done. So I stole this thing. I, I bought this thing, you know, four years ago with 94,000 miles bone stock for about seven grand. Um, and then that kind of kicked me off um, in back into four wheel drive. Right. So as I was, you know, getting excited about this truck and thinking about how I wanted to modify it and, you know, kind of dealing with the trying to keep it pretty reasonable and pretty practical. Um, I also was like, man, I want to make this thing into like a rock crawler. I want to make it something crazy. So I start doing YouTube searches, right? I start searching for like Xterra four-wheel drive, Xterra off-road, Xterra modifications, things like that. And I couldn't find a whole lot. Like, you know, I find the things like Rogue Overland, if you're familiar with them, they, you know, are sort of Nissan-based Overland folks. And I'm like, man, that's a pretty sweet rig, right? And they're doing some cool trips out West. Um, And I start watching them and I start to hear this term overlanding over and over and over. And so then I stopped searching for Nissan Xterras and I start just searching for overlanding, right? And as I'm searching for all this stuff, I, you know, I come across like Expedition Overland and Peach State Overland and, you know, all these different guys that are doing this stuff. And I'm just amazed at all the trips that they're taking and the cool stuff that they're doing. And, you know, I was like, man, that seems really cool. And, you know, it's been eight or nine years since I had my, my Cherokee. And, you know, I had a lot of stressful times in that thing, right? When you smash it into a tree, it doesn't feel great. Even though it wasn't a super expensive truck, it's still thousands of dollars, right? So every time I'd smash it into a tree, I'm like, man, I just, that's stressful, right? I I also lost my brakes once on a trip and we were going down a hill and I had to ride the back bumper of a TJ down a hill. And then I had to baby it back to the parking lot and figured out one of the banjo, uh, fittings on the back of one of the brakes was loose and had to tighten that up and buy brake fluid and and do a trail repair right there. And I was like, you know what, that's just like needless wear and tear on the vehicle. And if it's going to be my daily, that makes me a little nervous, but this overlanding stuff, like you can go as mild or as extreme as you want. So I got more and more into it. And I started thinking, I also really like camping. And so they kind of went hand in hand. And so I was like, you know what, car camping, overlanding, whatever you want to call it this definitely seems up my alley. My, you know, I have kids now, right. That's why I had to sell the the XJ in the first place. So it definitely seemed kind of fortuitous to have a four wheel drive vehicle, have stumbled upon this hobby called overlanding and have it be something that I could do with family or with friends and, you know, things that I could do on the weekend without too much risk to the truck. It would give me a way to get out and have some fun. And, you know, if I wanted to go do challenging stuff, if I wanted to go to an off-road park and, and have some fun for a weekend. So that's what kind of started it for the the Xterra. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. 
However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So from there, you know, I, I, as I watched more and more videos, I started to see, you know, I, I knew obviously from the beginning I wanted to lift. I wanted bigger tires. Um, you know, I just, I wanted to make it as, as rugged as I could so that I could take it on more extreme trails. Um, so those were kind of the first mods that I did. I put some, you know, some 33s on there and they were just ATs cause it was a, it was a, uh, a daily, right? So put some 33 ATs on there, did a two and a half inch, uh, rough country lift because I'm cheap. So again, if you guys know me, <laughs> you like, I call myself the budget minded overlander because I mean, you know, and I'll get into that here in a little bit, why I do that and why I think that, but I tried to get cheap stuff. So I started with a rough country lift cause it was about 150 bucks and, uh, and it got me two and a half inches of lift right away. So I could fit my 33s with, you know, minimal trimming and a little bit of melting of the fender liners. And, and then I was good to go. And so that got it going, that got it started. So then I started buying camping gear. And again, I'm cheap, so I'm buying, you know, really garbage bottom of the barrel stuff. And and the more that I did that for the first couple of years that I did overlanding, uh, I kind of quickly learned like what stuff you need to spend a little more money on. You know, you've heard people say that that expression, you know, buy once, cry once. I definitely learned some lessons there. I bought a lot of junky stuff that lasted two or three trips and then was done. And, you know, maybe it was two thirds or a third of the price of something else. But then here I go again. Now I got to buy the expensive thing on top of the cheap thing that I bought. Um, so started to learn some lessons there and, and, you know, learn to outfit the rig. Um, those first couple of trips too, you know, it's like the first time you ever fly, right? If you have any experience with that, or if you've had to fly for work, you know, you get on, you get on the, uh, you know, you get to the airport and you just got all this stuff and you don't need it all, but you feel like you need it. So you bring all this stuff with you and then you go through security and you just feel like a, an idiot because you've got, you know, all this stuff with you and they're, checking through all your things and you're setting off the alarms and everybody's looking at you like, what is this person doing? That's how I felt going overlanding the first few times. Like I couldn't see out the back window cause I just had stuff stacked up to the roof. And then I get out there for like a one night camping trip and I'd have to dig all this stuff out and I wouldn't even touch half of it. Um, but that's kind of part of it. Right. So, you know, that's, that's how you learn. So I will say that I've, I've come a long way. I feel like I definitely still don't view myself as any sort of an expert, and I hope that that's kind of, you know, as you guys start to listen, if you engage with me on my channels, if you check out all things overlanding on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or all the major podcast channels, you'll see that like, I'm not trying to sell anything and I'm not trying to, you know, pitch any specific brands. I'm just trying to tell you what I've learned so that it can hopefully help you and vice versa. I hope that you guys interact with me too, right? I hope that you guys post up in the comments and tell me what you think. Tell me what gear you're using. Tell me what things you've learned on trips because that's really the only way that we can all grow. Like I don't, I don't go to YouTube to quote unquote, learn from the pros. I go to YouTube to just sort of see what other people are doing and then come up with my own ideas. Right. Um, so anyways, that's kind of how I approach it. So that's kind of how I got into it. Started buying gear, modified the truck a little bit. Um, since then it's kind of gotten out of control. Uh, now, four years later, the, I bought another car. I finally, you know, I paid off the, the Xterra and I, I, conned the wife into letting me buy a second vehicle so i've got a an infinity q50 that i I use as sort of my fun car that i can still throw the kids in if i need to um that's just kind of my luxurious daily driver that's somewhat quick um 
But as a result, then that's let me actually go even further with the Xterra. So now currently, again, if you're not familiar with my truck, um, definitely head over to you know YouTube or Facebook or Instagram and check it out. But now I've added a solar panel to the hood um, that runs to the back. And in the back, I built a custom drawer system that's got a deep cycle battery built into it and a six panel switch in there that has you know USB outlets and a, an AC inverter on it and all kinds of stuff. So I can keep everything charged up without having to worry about depleting my main battery. It's got a big 36 inch slider on it that can hold a fridge freezer or like a cooler and a water jug that slides out. And then there's a, another slider inside the big slider that slides out with the double burner Coleman grill on it. Um, so learning a ton of stuff about it and, and again, doing it yourself, right? That's kind of one of the big things that I like. And that kind of takes us into the budget minded overlanding. So as I mentioned, I wanted to touch on that a little bit more. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of people, especially a lot of the big folks on YouTube and things like that, or maybe would kind of laugh at the whole budget-minded Overlander stuff because, you know, they're sponsored and they get all this fancy gear and they get free tires and free trucks. And and that's not everybody. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of guys like me doing, you know, the, the small guy stuff. But a lot of those bigger ones, it seems like that, right? You watch some of these videos and they're in like Alaska or they're in Southern America and they're, they're going on all these crazy cool trips and they're awesome. And I, I have no hate for them at all. Um, but I mean, honestly, like me anyways, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that. I've got two kids. I've got a full-time job. Um, and that's kind of what I've heard from my audience and folks that I've talked to is they're like, Hey, we need more of that. That's what we want to hear about. So, um, that's what kind of is taking me into this budget minded overlanding stuff, because the way I look at it is again, like I mentioned earlier, there is definitely stuff that you do need to spend the money on first time and just get something that's really nice. Um, I'm trying to think of some examples like tents are a good example of that. If you buy the super inexpensive, cheapy, crappy tents and you get caught in a rainstorm or something, that thing's going to mold and it's going to fall apart. Like, the same is kind of true with awnings. Um, if you buy a super cheap Chinese made awning, you know, the stuff is going to break on it. The poles are going to break. Um, it's not going to be as water resistant. Um, I'll give you a perfect real world example. I have a tough stuff awning on my truck. Um, I broke one of the poles. It was my own fault. It was no fault of the awnings. I, it was pouring down rain one night and I left the awning up and I didn't give it enough tilt. I thought I did, but it wasn't enough. And it filled with water and I was trying to very carefully clear the water off. And, uh, as I was doing that, the, the pole, the horizontal pole that comes off the truck just folded in half and just collapsed. So dumped water all over me, eight o'clock in the morning, soaked me, Again, if you've watched my YouTube channel, there's a video on there right after that where you will hear my absolute hatred of camping in the rain. Like I was so mad because my awning broke and I got soaked and it filled my tent with water and soaked all my stuff. So it took like two days to dry everything out after that trip and I was just angry about it. Um, but so where I'm going with that is that tough stuff awning though is a little bit more, right? Like it's like a $200 awning, mine's a six and a half foot. Um, but the thing is just bulletproof. So I, I actually didn't think about it. I wrapped that whole thing up, stuck it back up in my, in my, the cover for it. And then I went home and I emailed tough stuff and I was like, Hey guys, I need a new awning pole. And they were like, Hey, yeah, no problem. Except we're out of stock right now. We should have some in, in the next month. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I guess like, no, no problem. I don't have any big trips. I don't have to use my awning. It's not like I can't go camping if I don't have my awning. Um, but so then I waited like a month and I emailed them again and I waited another month and they were like, Hey, with this coronavirus stuff, it's delayed. And then they're like, Hey, our ship didn't have the right stock. It had different awning poles in it. So I literally just got my replacement awning pole like a week ago and it is March right now. Um, so it has been like five months. So then I go out to replace that pole and I realized I never unfurled that awning and let it dry out. 
after that torrential downpour. And I was like, oh man, this thing is going to be coated in mildew and mold and rotted out and just disgusting. And now I spent money on a new awning pole and my awning itself is going to be ruined. And I go and I undo that thing and it's still wet and there are still leaves on it and everything. And there's not a trace of mold. Like the thing is just spotless. So I aired it out that day when I put the new awning pole on, I, I installed the new awning pole, which was super easy. The design is, is awesome. It was just literally undo a screw and a bolt and slide the old one out, put the new one on and you're good to go. But so like spending some money on stuff like that is nice because I've had that on my truck for a couple of years. And again, despite my best efforts to destroy it and make it mildewy and gross, the thing is still just a trooper, right? Like it's, it's still in great shape. Now that I've replaced that pole, I'm good to go. I'm ready to, to have another three, four or five years in that thing. Um, so in certain cases, it's definitely good to just spend the money. But some other examples, right? Like there's some really crazy stuff that you can buy for like, let's say fire starting is a good example. Like you can spend a whole bunch of money on super fancy, you know, overlanding branded gear that's like waterproof fire starters, this and that. And, you know, it's, I'm sure that they are great pieces of gear, but to spend 20 bucks to get like two of those fatwood ropes or whatever, you know, for me is just doesn't make a lot of sense. So what I do, and actually I'm going to be putting out a, a little mini episode a little gear review of this on a thursday in the near future um i buy weber like the grill company actually makes these little white like chemical fire starters and they kind of look like a like a tray of ice cubes um but they're they look like a little cube of ice cubes you just kind of pop a little aluminum cover off and push the thing out just like you push an ice cube out of an ice cube tray and those things you can start them up with a ferro rod you can start them up with a lighter or matches they start up really quick and they burn for like four or five minutes. And I use those to get a fire started. You can get a 24 pack ice cube tray of one of these things for like three bucks. So I actually set it up on subscribe and save. Cause again, I'm a prepper, I guess in one way. Um, and so I've got like four or five packages of 24 of these things. Now I'm probably going to have to shut it off because now I am like a hoarder. Now I've just got like a whole supply of them, but like those things are three bucks. You know, so even in the five months that I've been getting them every single month, I've still only spent $15 and I probably got enough for the next 10 years worth of camping, honestly. So like in certain cases, I feel like if I can buy cheaper gear that works, you know, just as well or just about as well, then that gives me more money to buy additional gear. So again, that's kind of why I try and keep it to the, the budget minded thing. I try and be very thoughtful and intentional with the stuff that I purchase. And again, with the channel, like I, I only started my YouTube channel really about eight or nine months ago. And literally the reason I started it was because I'm actually really into this and I'm seeing this stuff on overlanding on YouTube. And the stuff that I'm seeing is for the most part, big, huge sponsored outfits with, you know, sponsored by general or icon or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. And again, good for them. Like they're living the dream. I, I hope someday I get to that point, but I can still remember, you know, the way that everything was now and kind of keep it real and, and be honest with the reviews and stuff. Um, but time will tell. <laughs> I'm not looking to do that by any means, but if you're out there and you're icon suspension, you want to throw me some free stuff. Like I'm not opposed to it. Um, but like, I feel like that's the most of us, right? Like, and again, that's been my favorite thing. The stuff that I've been learning from all, all the people that listen to my channel and stuff is like, look, they're like me, right? They're, dads or moms and they have jobs and they love to go on trips and sure they'd love to take a three-week trip and drive out to Moab and you know hit up all the trails out there and do some crazy stuff and like crazy brand new Raptors or brand new TRD Pro Forerunners you know but most of us have like 
99 Grand Cherokees or, you know, like 2010 Nissan Xterras or, you know, like Michael Hyden has a Liberty, which is badass. Um, so there's a number of different rigs that you can take, right? It doesn't, you don't have to be a super rich person. You just have to be into it. You just have to be interested in it and get out there and don't let, you know, don't let yourself get bogged down in the mire of super rich, super sponsored, super ritzy, uh, overlanders on youtube like we can still watch it and we can still enjoy the the shows but just don't feel like you have to that's the only way to overland is to go take super fancy trips like if you can get out for one night and it's just a gravel fire road at your local national forest like get out and do it you know that's still fun it's still nice to get away you still get to enjoy nature you still get to test your rig depending on the you know capabilities of your rig and the the difficulty of the trails but still better to be on gravel than it is to be on concrete in my opinion um so yeah, so that kind of touched on the the budget-minded overlanding stuff. So um, I've already kind of talked a little bit about my rig. Um, again, it's an 05 Xterra. Um, right now, so in my current build state, it's had a lot of modifications. So maintenance-wise, the only things I've had to do to this thing, and that's why I'm kind of a Nissan enthusiast and why when people post up and say, hey, you know, how's your Nissan been? I'm looking at them. You know, I'm, I'm comparing them to a, a Toyota 4Runner. You know, the Toyotas are great vehicles. They're super solid. They're well-built. I have no problem with Toyotas. I would happily buy a Toyota. My problem came when I was looking at my Xterra. So again, 05, 94,000 miles, seven grand. 7,500 bucks was the asking price. Um, I was looking at Forerunners, and, you know, four years ago, that for that same price range, about the 10 to 12 grand price range, which was my initial price range, I was looking at like 99 through 02 Forerunners with like 120 to 200,000 miles on the things. And, you know, if you know anything about those, those late 90s to early 2000 Forerunners, the technology wasn't really all that advanced. Um, they were, they're perfectly great trucks and they're, I think they're awesome looking trucks. And I've seen a bunch of them that are modified that just look amazing and they're super sick and they're, they're bulletproof. That's why they go for so much money. Right. But I took my Nissan bias and I took my, my cheapness, my budget mindedness. And I said, you know what, I can get a Nissan Xterra that's, you know, five or six, seven years newer than a comparable Toyota with half the miles or, you know, two thirds of the miles of some of these Toyotas. And I'm confident that this thing will be, you know, maybe not quite as reliable. I might not get 300,000 miles out of it, but I might get 200 or 220 pretty easy out of it. Um, so that's what made me kind of bite on it. It just didn't make financial sense for me to buy a five or six year older vehicle with 150 to 180,000 miles on it for the same price as a newer Nissan. And I tell you what, I've had it for four years now. I did brakes, like I mentioned, right when I first bought it. I just, honestly, I did the eBay ones, like 135 bucks shipped to my door, four rotors and sets pads. And I did those myself in the garage and bled them out and they were fine and they've been great ever since. And I still haven't replaced them, although I think I'm getting pretty close to needing to again. Um, and then literally right after I bought it, the radiator developed a leak. Um, the radiator on the exteriors are plastic, so they've got about a 10-year life and mine was 11 years old, so that made sense. But 75 bucks on Amazon, got a new one shipped to my house in two days, had a buddy come over and in a couple hours on a weekend, we swapped out the radiator and that's pretty much it. Oil changes, uh, brake job, which was, you know, that was a wearable part. Um, I have had, so along the, the rear passenger quarters, I've got a little bit of rust. That's a pretty common thing with the exteriors. And again, mine is not really babied at all. It's seen a lot of miles on gravel roads and off-road and it's tapped a couple things. I've got the sliders now which helps. Um, but so it's definitely taken a beating around the quarters and around the bottom of the doors. 
but still I've just got some, I've had some rust on the back. I, I recently did a really rough, like don't ever look at the rear passenger side quarter panel on my truck because you will see how bad I am at Bondo and paint repair because it's starting to rust again. Even though I cut a big section out and like tried to repair it, it's not great. Um, but I did my best. And if that gets me another year and then I got to do it again, that's fine. Right. Like I'm cheap. Um, but so with the Xterra, got the two and a half inch lift. Since the initial rough country lift, I've swapped out to full Niztec MK84 coilovers on the front, which is, they're really nice. Like I tell you what, I, that is one thing really guys, when we're talking about value for money, right? So again, cry once, buy, buy once, cry once. Um, suspension is definitely not one of those things you should cheap out on. Now, if all you care about is going on some gravel and you're not really, you don't really care how it rides and it's not your daily driver, you can definitely get away with it. I, I mean, I rode the the rough country. It's a spacer lift up front and a longer shackle in the rear um, for like two and a half, three years. But now that I have the full coilovers on the front and I upgraded the shocks in the rear and uh, I've still got the rough country longer shackle in the rear, but I've added an overleaf helper spring just to kind of stiffen things up and, and get some of the sag out of the rear springs. Now that I've done the the shock upgrades in the back and the, the coilovers in the front, this thing rides like a cloud. Like it just kind of bumps over everything and it is super smooth. Um, so I, I would highly recommend spending the money on on the coilovers. I got lucky on mine too. If you're a Nissan guy and you've looked at those, they go for about, the MK84s go for about 700 and up, depending on whether they're having a sale or not. I actually got both of mine used off of a buddy with about 15,000 miles on them for about 360. So I got a steal of a deal on those. Um, and actually, I'm very thankful to that buddy. Uh, his name is Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. I doubt you're listening, but if you are, thank you. I've actually bought a lot of my my uh, armor used off of him too. So I've got a mix of hefty fab and PNP engineering, three sixteenths inch steel armor under the bottom of it. I've got everything except the radiator armor on the bottom of the truck. Um, I was also fortunate enough to get a used Wham bumper and a Smitty built ninety five hundred off of the same guy for the front of the Xterra. So that is on there as well. Um, so it's nice now. I've got you know a bumper. I've got a winch on the front. I've got a couple D ring. Uh, spots on there. So I've got some true, uh, recovery points on the front and, uh, and yeah, so I've got the bumper, the winch, I've got the so solar panel, like I mentioned in the drawer system in the rear on the roof, I've got high lift Jack. I've got some, um, I'm actually gonna, I've already shot the video and I'm, I'm editing it now, but I'm going to be just dropping that as I get through editing them. Um, I made my own mounts for the roof because again, guys, I'm telling you, they are, since the term overlanding has been exploding, people just tap, and they just take their product and they slap the word overlanding on it and they double the price. I'm not kidding. So you have to be careful. You have to do your research. But I mean, for most of those mounting options for a high lift for like a roof rack like that, it's probably 100 to 200 bucks pretty easily for one of those mounting options. And again, don't get me wrong. They're probably a lot easier to take your high lift off of. They A lot of them are just like locking. They're automatically going to lock your, your high lift to the roof rack. Um, what I ended up doing was taking some sheet steel, some pretty thick steel, and just drilling holes in it and then using two and a half inch u-bolts uh, to hold it to the roof rack and then just tightened it down and i did four of those across and that holds my high lift up there um, i've also got my traction mats up there on the roof and they're just literally mounted with bungee cords to the roof but they're the rubber kinds so they're super you know they're not going anywhere um, and then i've got my awning up there too that's the current setup right now on the roof but I'm also, if you do follow the channel, I'm building my own do-it-yourself rooftop tent right now. And I'm actually kind of nearing completion. I think I'm probably about a week, week and a half away from being done. 
Um, the box is built. It is waterproofed. I've Herculined the outside and spar urethane the inside. And I'm getting ready to going to do a little bit of sewing on the tent to make that work for the inside of it. But when that goes up there, that's going to change everything on the roof. So there'll be more updates to come on that here in the future as I get through that. Um, for lighting, I, I've took a trip to Wisconsin a couple of years ago with another guy who had a, an off-road trim Xterra and he has the couple of extra lights on the roof. And I tell you what, we were in Wisconsin, it was summer and we were driving down one of those uh, country like back road and I had my high beams on and everything, but I just had my stock headlights and fog lights. That's all I had. And I was terrified for hours. Like we drove for like three hours in the pitch black and you would just, you would come across and like 20 feet in front of me, there'd be a set of deer eyes. And then you'd look and there'd be eight deer off to the side of the road. So I kept having to brake and slow down and like watch everywhere. And I couldn't see anything. So lighting is another one of those things where I definitely recommend and spending some money up front and just getting some good lighting. Um, because I've gone through a number of the cheap Amazon LED lights that are range from like 40 to 60 bucks for a pair or a four pack of them. And they are junk. Um, so current lighting setup, I've got upgraded uh, LED headlights. I've got upgraded LED fog lights. I've got two ditch lights, which still are the cheap uh, Amazon LEDs. They're AVIC, I believe is the brand. Um, and they actually don't do too bad. So they have a nice flood pattern. They're not spotlights at all. But so I have those as ditch lights on some custom fabricated um, little mounts that I made for the, the side there. And there's a, a post on my website about that if you want to know more about those mounts, how to make them. Again, I'm cheap. They're just pieces of steel that I bent in a vise and I drilled with my drill press. That's it. Um, so definitely go check that out. But so I've got those, the ditch lights. And then now on the top, I've recently upgraded to four Hella uh, 500 FF lights, um, running through a separate switch and a separate relay from the other fog lights. So I've got full control over all of those. Um, but those put out a much farther, much uh, more pencil-like beam. So between the four of them, I can light up a good 60, 80 feet in front of me. So that's really nice. Um, so that's the lighting stuff on the truck. Kind of lastly, I would say the hatch in the rear is another kind of fun project that I've actually had since the beginning where, again, if you're familiar with Xterra's, they have a rear opening hatch, they open upwards. Um, they have like a plastic cover that goes over the hatch. You can actually remove that. And then what I did was I used quick fists and I actually mounted a shovel. I've got a, a Fisker's shovel, a Fisker's uh, 31 inch axe. And then I've got a, like a built-in flashlight that I can use to light up the rear of the truck if I need to, or I can take it down because it's in a quick fist. And I've got a more knife back there for cooking and stuff, or if I just need quick access to a knife, you know, if I'm randomly being attacked when I'm flexing in a parking lot at Walmart, I can just reach up and grab my Mora knife and I'm safe, right? Um, so that hatch modification was kind of a fun one too. Um, I do have a hitch in the rear, which was on the truck when I bought it. And I use a CSI rear D, D uh, shackle mount for that. So that's my rear recovery point. Um, but other than that, I've upgraded to steel wheels for easier trail repairs and they've got MTs on them as well. So I've got a little bit more aggressive tread now. Um, but that's pretty much the truck. So, you know, that was, that was the truck. I wanted to talk through that a little bit with you guys. Um, Again, don't want to take up your whole night, so I'll kind of get to wrapping it up here. I did want to touch on, um, if you're listening on the radio, which obviously you are because that's where I'm talking, check out overlandradio.com and look for the bit about the raffle right now. So these guys, so Lee Odom runs his channel, Michael Hyden that I've mentioned a couple times, great guy. He has his own channel called All Over Overland, but he also is friends with a gentleman who owns Blue Line Overland. And they do a lot of cool stuff. 
um, Shop with a Cop, Children's Charity, and that's where the funds from this are going to go. But you actually have a really cool chance to win a $12,000 overlanding trailer. Um, and they're, they're continuing to partner with more and more folks as time goes on to outfit the trailer further and further. So Artemis Overland has donated a rooftop tent to the trailer. So as of right now, you're definitely getting the trailer and a rooftop tent, which is awesome. Um, but again, they're going to have more stuff that's being added to it. So who knows what it will be, but as they look for more sponsors and as we find more sponsors then that thing's going to continue to get more and more awesome. Um, but a, a raffle ticket's like a hundred bucks and you can purchase one ticket. So everybody's got a fair shot at it. I know that's a lot of money, but at the same time, if you win a $12,000 trailer for a hundred bucks, that's pretty great. And even if you don't, that money's going to an awesome charity. So I definitely wanted to touch on that a little bit. Um, so yeah, if you're listening right now, go check out that website, overlandradio.com, uh, and, and get your chance to win, purchase that ticket. So as soon as you get there, if you scroll down the page, just a little bit about in the middle, it says purchase tickets right there under blue line overland. That's where you get your tickets. Um, so yeah, so to kind of wrap things up a little bit here, guys, uh, as I mentioned, uh, my channel is called all things overlanding. So I'm on YouTube. I'm on all the major podcast channels. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Those are kind of the big ones. There is a website, allthingsoverlanding.com, um, and I am trying to get more and more content over there. So I've been really dedicated to getting it out on social because that's where everybody is. But I am trying to build up the website as a more and more useful tool. Um, another website, though, besides mine that I will mention that I go to quite a bit is Overland Meetup, which is kind of from the same guys. So Lee runs that as well, but it is an awesome forum with like really easy ways to sell your stuff, sell your gear, buy used gear. Um, you can even open a store. So if you're a vendor, if you have stuff that you want to sell, you can go over there and, and sort of set it up for free on there and uh, and do that as well. You can add in locations and routes and things like that. So definitely check out uh, overlandmeetup.com as well because I love that site and I really want it to grow because I feel like the more of us to get over there, the more we can all chat with each other, the more we can all learn from each other. It's just another avenue for us all to hang out, right? Um, so yeah, so... Go and check out my channels, allthingsoverlanding.com. Um, again, I'm going to be continuing to add stuff to the website. I hope to have a map at some point with kind of all the places that I've taken trips to because I mark all those places and I get a lot of questions about like, hey, where was that site where you took that picture? Um, so I'm hoping to get that up on there before too long for you guys. Um, but yeah, if you're into Xterra content, if you're into just general overlanding stuff, if you're into trip reports, gear reviews, more recently, I've started doing interviews with a lot of folks in the overlanding community from like vendors to people that, you know, just do create overlanding content and things like that. Definitely check out the channels. Definitely click subscribe because I'd love to have you guys in the comments. I'd love to have you chatting. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's about it. That's all I've got to talk about tonight. So I've, I made it about 40 minutes. I think that's all right. Right. That's not too bad. Right on, um, man. Hey, Thanks. Hey, hey, you did. Yeah, a hey, Lee. You did a fantastic job. We've been sitting here listening to you and uh, <laughs> uh, and texting back and forth between Michael and I. And, and we both feel that we're inferior to uh, your skills. Oh, come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you guys just yeah. have to say that because we're on the radio right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, nah, man, that was a fantastic job. We really appreciate you jumping on with us. And, and sure, doing yeah, it. I appreciate you having me. And um, uh yeah like like fletch said get on there and make some comments let us know what you think yeah. or, or what kind of content you want to hear um and we do appreciate everybody who's jumping on board to help out with the blue line overland raffle and and just supporting the channel in it you know itself i've had two or three vendors now that are companies that have approached us about doing some shows and and uh awesome 
putting some product on here at special discounts and things like that. So, man, I really, really appreciate you, um, Fletch, for, for doing this. And uh, sure. hopefully you'll be back next week and, and uh, from that point forward and keep going. Yeah, that's the plan. Okay, well, um, everybody have a good night. Uh, right now, the next show will be next uh, we'll, l- next live, at least scheduled show, is going to be Tuesday, and that'll be Michael from all over Overland. So that'll be Tuesday night at 7. And then uh, Wednesday, we may have a new one. It's on the schedule on the uh, Overland um, radio website. You can. I'm not going to spill the beans, but there's a, a new potential one coming up there. Nice. And then again next Thursday, hopefully we'll have Fletch, right? It'll be me. Yep. Right on. I'm excited. Okay. Well, everybody yeah, have a good thanks night. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, thanks a lot. Yep. Have a good night, everybody. 